Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And today, I hope fans of the Spider Man movies and breathing hear this. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. And I'm addressing two audiences today, two totally unrelated groups. One, fans of the Spider Man movies, and two, fans of breathing. And They're not related at all. The reason why I'm doing them together is because I think it's relevant to current events, but those two aren't really related. So I'm sorry if you if you thought I was gonna cleverly tie them together somehow. I'm not. I'm I'm just really taking on the versatility of this podcast. I, I want to do things differently all the time, or not all the time, but as often as I want to. See. Committing to be different all the time is a commitment too. It's it's somehow cementing myself into one format, and the format being I'm going to change the format all the time. So I don't want to commit myself to any particular way of doing this podcast. I'm just going to do it however I want to every week, and I hope you guys are okay with that. And I hope that's part of the charm of this podcast. So yeah, let me address the fans of Spider-Man movies first. Where to start? So, Spider-Man right now, Spider-Man movie, the latest one is Far From Home, and it's doing great in the box office. It crossed the one billion dollar mark worldwide, and Sony is very happy about it. And I say Sony, not Disney, because obviously, or it might not be obvious if you don't know, but Disney does not own the rights to Spider-Man. The only reason why Spider-Man is part of the MCU. Is because Sony and Disney came to a deal where they said we'll use them jointly. The rights will still remain with Sony, but they'll kind of bo- let Disney borrow Spider-Man with different splits in the shares that they'll get for the revenue. In terms of revenue, so let me give you guys just a brief history of how Spider-Man ended up at Sony and why Marvel didn't own it at the time. That Disney acquired Marvel. So Marvel in the late '80s, I want to, I want to say '80s, somewhere in the '80s, they weren't doing too well financially. So they started selling off bits and pieces of their property to movie studios who wanted them to make live-action movies with, and this helped them not have to go bankrupt. So this was the right move. But that's also the reason why Spider-Man is owned by Sony, and why. Fantastic Four is with Fox, and also why X Men is with Fox. And Deadpool, the Deadpool movie was created by Fox because Deadpool is, I believe, he was part of the X Men deal. He's he's like an X Men guy, so that's why they're kind of all over the place. And that's also probably I don't know if it's the reason why, but I'm sure there are other reasons. But the great thing about the Disney acquisition of Fox. Was the fact that the X Men now has the potential to appear in the MCU, that that includes Deadpool and also the Fantastic Four. In the comics, the Fantastic Four, X Men, Avengers—they're all, they all are intertwined and they have stories together. And if if you remember Captain America Three: Civil War, 
that was a very tamed and tiny version of what actually happened in the comics. The, the Fantastic Four were involved, X-Men were involved, Spider-Man played a huge, huge role in that comic book storyline. So it's it's great to see and know that in the future, the Disney Marvel now has so many more superheroes, well-known superheroes that they can play with and incorporate into the the cinematic universe that they created. And that just leaves Spider-Man with Sony. And Sony, I can tell you straight off the bat, will probably never sell the Spider-Man rights to Disney because Spider-Man is a huge draw. Spider-Man is a huge moneymaker. So even before the MCU existed in the early, in the late 1990s, early 2000s, there was the first Spider-Man trilogy directed by Sam Raimi and starring Tobey Maguire. So during a time before superheroes became very mainstream like it is today, they took Spider-Man and made a very successful, critically and financially successful movie trilogy. And I would argue, maybe not so much today, but before the MCU existed, Spider-Man was probably the most recognizable Marvel superhero, period. It's probably not true anymore. Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, these are all household names, but before they were movies, a lot of people didn't know who they were. A lot of people were curious about... I Well, I was into comic books and the cartoons and things like that, so I knew who these characters were. But I remember talking to people and some of them not knowing, not having a clue who Iron Man was. It was weird to me, but there were people like that out there. But you, you would be hard-pressed to find someone who didn't know Spider-Man. So Sp Spider-Man sense. Sony started making movies out of him. They've it's always been really really good. They've always made a lot of money from him. The trilogy um I I, I want to say that the three movies combined was probably it was definitely over a billion dollars worldwide. I I want to say 1.5, maybe maybe even 2 billion. So there's no real incentive for Sony to sell the Spider-Man, the rights to the Spider-Man movie, unless it was for billions of dollars, because they have the potential to make money off of them. Again, you have to remember it wasn't just a trilogy that they did; they also rebooted it with Andrew Garfield and got two movies out of him before they they scrapped it. But before they scrapped the third, I, don't, I think they were planning a a third to complete the trilogy, but that, that never happened. But those, the Amazing Spider-Man 1 and the Amazing Spider-Man 2, they still did pretty well at box office-wise. So for people wondering why Disney just doesn't buy the rights to Spider-Man, it's probably because Sony is not willing to sell. And just to get into the details of the deal that is current or previously in place between Disney and Sony regarding Spider-Man, Disney bought the merchandising rights to Spider-Man from Sony in 2011. So 100% of merchandising goes to Disney. But in terms of the movie revenue, Disney got 5% for the solo Spider-Man movies. But they also had free use of Spider-Man for any MCU movie. So the Avengers, um, Infinity War, and Endgame. And 
Captain America Civil War, Captain America 3 Civil War, Spider-Man's appearances, Disney did not have to pay Sony for. But in exchange, Disney also helped Sony create the solo movies, Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home, and also allowed them the use of the shared universe of the MCU. And I I believe Disney only got 5% of that revenue. Did I mention that already? But regardless, regardless, Disney got 5%. And that, that was the way that the deal was set. But in the renegotiation for the new deal, Disney supposedly, I don't know for a fact because I was not in the room with them, but Disney supposedly asked for 50% of the movie rights, of the, of the movie. And so Sony obviously said no. And it was kind of a stalemate. And speculation is is that Spider-Man will no longer be a part of the MCU. And from a f- pure financial perspective, I think it makes sense that Sony would not agree to this deal because, let me just run down the numbers, okay? There are eight Spider-Man movies in modern history, recent history, and let me run down the worldwide revenue. So number one is Spider-Man Far From Home. They made $1.1 billion dollars. Spider-Man 3, this is part of Sam Raimi's trilogy, so it's the first set of Spider-Man movies. That produced $890 million. Spider-Man Homecoming, $880 million. The number three. Number four, the first Spider-Man movie that Sam Raimi directed, $821 million. Spider-Man 2, so the sequel to that one, is $783 million. The Amazing Spider-Man, which is the one that starred Andrew Garfield, came in at $757 million. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 came in at, at $709. So those are the live-action ones. And the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the animated one that recently came out that did amazingly, critically speaking, um, came in at $375 million. I, I was surprised to hear that that was so low. I don't know why I would have expected it to be closer to the other Spider-Mans, but I know they had a very low production cost. So maybe that's why it doesn't matter. But I mean, if you haven't seen it, it's great. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It's not part of um, anything live action that's going on. It's it's completely separate from all those guys. But yeah, it's it was a great movie. Animated, you feel like you're reading a comic book as you're reading it because of the styles. But yeah, all that to say... If you look at the lowest producing Sony solo Spider-Man movie, it's Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was 700, it was close to 700 million dollars. And the best best revenue MCU/Sony Spider-Man movie was Far From Home at 1.1 billion, right? So let's do the math. So the two options that Sony has is one, make a Spider-Man movie with the MCU, or two, make a Spider-Man movie by themselves. And looking at the financials, even if they make one that's at around, that makes around the same revenue as their worst performing live action Spider-Man movie, that's around 700 million, Amazing Spider-Man 2. And 100% of that is better than 50% of the best performing MCU slash Sony Spider-Man movie, which is Spider-Man Far From Home, 1.1 billion which 50% of would be around 500 million, right? So this is, I think, a simple question of finances, financials. 
the executives are probably looking at the numbers and saying, hey, I think even if we had to do a Spider-Man movie by ourselves and the revenue total is lower, we're still going to bring home more money if we're not giving away 50% to Disney. So to Sony, this this makes sense. It's a, it's a move that makes sense for them. And you can't really fault them for not wanting to renegotiate or take the deal that Disney asked them for because what company is going to take a deal that is going to potentially reduce the amount of money that they can make? And so I, I totally see the merit of why Sony is doing this. And I don't think any one company has moral high ground here. I know the popular sentiment, at least on social media, is that Sony is being stingy or whatever. I don't think that's the case. I think they're just as greedy as Disney is. So I don't think anyone is at fault, morally speaking. But I would have to question Sony's thinking on this a little bit because at least in the sense of quantifiable elements here, they're making the right decision. But I think they need to consider some of the more abstract and unquantifiable things. For example, who is going to want to watch a Spider-Man movie that is no longer part of the MCU? Because at this point, Spider-Man is very much woven into the fabric of the MCU. I haven't seen Far From Home yet, but just from the trailers, it's kind of looking like they're getting ready. They're grooming Spider-Man to become the next generation leader of the Avengers. And the relationship that Tony had with Spider-Man and how Spider-Man is going to deal with having to fill his shoes and, and all that, it's, it's really, I believe... It's so much the story of Spider-Man. But if they suddenly have to make a third movie, assuming that they're going to make a third movie with Tom Holland and the original cast still in it, it would be so weird and awkward if that world suddenly didn't include any of the Avengers or the, any of the Marvel characters. Suddenly, even though they're supposed to be placed in a world where all these other superheroes exist, now they have to act like none of that none of that is there. That would be really hard to pull off. And honestly, for Sony's from Sony's perspective, I don't even think that that's what they're thinking of doing. They're probably just going to want to reboot it all together because that's the only way to create a Spider-Man in his own world without having to deal with Avengers or you know, X-Men or Fantastic Four or anything like that. So are we, are we as a movie-going crowd ready for another, for yet another Spider-Man reboot? And also you have to remember and think about all the Marvel fans who waited patiently for Spider-Man to finally join the MCU. The MCU took off way, way before Spider-Man was introduced to it because... Like I said, Marvel didn't have the rights to use Spider-Man at the time. And it did, it it made a few of the well, I want to say the hardcore comic book or comic book fans didn't care for that much because Spider-Man is a huge part of the Marvel universe. So him having such a late entry, I'm sure a lot of them didn't like, but now you're telling us that we have to step back and again go back into a MCU where Spider-Man doesn't exist. I, I don't think I would want to watch a movie 
that reminds me that Spider-Man's out there, but is not a part of the MCU. I would still continue to watch the MCU movies because I've invested like 10 years of my life in, into the stories, right? So I'm emotionally attached to MCU. But if you're going to completely reboot Spider-Man and do a Spider-Man standalone movie outside of the MCU, I don't think I would be super interested in that. It would just remind me, man, Spider-Man used to be a part of the MCU, but he's not. And that sucks. So I don't know if Sony executives have really thought about that or if they have and they still figure they can still make money. Because to their credit, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse did do really well. So maybe they're thinking they're going to go more into just the Spider-Verse area and and hit that hard to make to make money. But I don't know. I, I just, as a consumer, it sucks. I understand both both companies' standpoints, but it just sucks to be stuck in the middle and yeah, have to comprom- have my beloved MCU compromised because of this. Again, I don't think there's anyone has a moral high ground here. I, I know Stan Lee's daughter came out saying that di- she doesn't like the way that Disney is monopolizing on her father's creations. And she believes that Variety is is a way to evolve the characters that her her father created. I don't know how much I agree with that. I, I mean, she's much closer to it, so her opinion is probably way more valid than mine. But I feel like Disney's been doing really well, uh, preserving Stanley's legacies and you know doing justice to his comic book creations. But yeah, so that's. That's kind of what's happening, and us as consumers of the movies, we might have to deal with the fallout of the failed negotiations. But recently, literally right before I started recording this, I saw an article claiming an inside source from Disney Marvel saying that they might have come to an agreement. Disney pulled back saying that they'll only take 30% of the Spider-Man standalone movies and that they would give Spider-Man a spot at the D23 Expo. I think it's some sort of expo that Disney does for all its TV shows and, and movies and things like that. So yeah, we might we might see Spider-Man in the MCU. It might not be a completely done deal. So we'll have to look and, and see what happens there. Okay, so moving on to the second topic. I believe this is a much more important topic. And if I'm going to have to confess, I kind of lied to you guys in the beginning. They're not completely unrelated. I coupled these two topics together because for me, my news feed and social media feed was way more filled with news of the Sony and Disney deal than this story. But I believe this story that I'm about to talk about, this event that I'm about to talk about has, you know, it has exponentially more potential impact on your life and like I said it's related to breathing and the reason I say it's related to breathing is because the Amazon forest is known as the lungs of the earth the world's oxygen supply around 20% of it comes from the trees and forestry in the Amazon forest I'm talking about the fire that's happening in the Amazon and 
I, I have to say I was upset at Google for a little bit because I typed in Amazon Fire and Amazon's like Fire product came up, the TV, the, the TV stick thing that came, it came up first. And I was upset because in my head, Google should be prioritizing current events, huge deal like this first above product stuff, but it wasn't advertisement. So I let it slide, but still I was, I was upset and it, it got me thinking, did did Amazon know that the fire was going to happen? And I kind of fell into my rabbit hole of conspiracy theories, but I quickly let it go so that I could record this podcast. The Amazon forest fire is a huge deal because like I said, 20% of the oxygen that we breathe as a world comes from the, the Amazon forest. And it's also a sink uh, exit hole for a lot of the CO2. If you guys don't know basic biology, Trees, they sniff up and absorb CO2, that's carbon dioxide, and they retain the carbon to grow and they fart out the oxygen. So all the bad stuff that we don't want in our air, trees suck up and all the good stuff that we need to breathe and live, that's what it releases. So the if the entire forest were to burn down which isn't likely i'll say that off the bat but if it were to burn down then 20 percent of what we're breathing would not be there anymore the air would get very thin and we would have to plant way more trees in other places to compensate for that but considering that the amazon forest is around two-thirds the size of the u.s it's not going to be easy so we need to be aware and I think it's good to be aware on this topic because there are things that you can do. Uh, there's nothing, unless you're a firefighter in Brazil or the neighboring countries that the Amazon's in, there's probably nothing directly and physically you can do. You can donate to those local firefighting efforts, or also you can uh, donate to organizations, nonprofits that help plant and restore and preserve rainforests. It doesn't just have to be the Amazon, but trees are needed everywhere. It's the Amazon is unique because it houses such wide variety and diverse animals and plant life. I read somewhere something crazy that something crazy like every two to three days they discover new plant or animal life in the Amazon. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or if it's just something that people throw around. But I do know for a fact that the Amazon, there is, it's just considering its sheer size, is housed to a lot of the creatures of the earth. So it is an important, it is an important forest. But deforestation isn't just an Amazon forest issue; it is an issue um, all around. So any efforts to preserve and to increase forests, forestry. It's good for, for the air that we need to survive and, and live. And there are, there are some misconceptions I, I see people throwing around on social media. There are some people who are under the impression that global warming had played a hand in causing this fire outbreak. But that's not true. Most people, most experts um, agree and understand that it's or hypothesize that it's much more likely that it's human beings, human set fires, accidental or in intentional. 
So what they do in near the Amazon forest is the farmers that live there, they'll burn certain patches of land to clear out the trees so that their cattle can graze or that they can farm. So it's so that it becomes usable land for them. And being that it's such a vast forest, it, it didn't really matter. But the frequency at which people are burning down patches of land, it's apparently it has increased very significantly. So um, yeah, with the increased frequency of these burnings, people probably did things that they weren't as responsible as they should have. So they caused accidental fire that's, that's spreading like crazy right now. Um, but I think it's notable to, and we should correct people who think it's just global warming, because if we are not clear on the the culprit, no, the source of the fire, oh yeah, the source. If we're not clear on the source and the reason why it happened, then we'll probably divert our resources to doing something to prevent it in the future that is not going to be effective. Sure, we should be considerate of global warming, but if we say we need to stop global warming and these forest fires will stop, that's gonna that's foolish. That's foolish because the real cause of the fires are people irresponsibly setting fires in in the in the forest. And I say irresponsible burnings because apparently there are a lot of land that is usable for farming and, and the like, but people are still just burning down new forest patches because of logistics of getting to those abandoned or usable grounds. And so maybe that, that I believe is something that the Brazilian government should be facilitating their people in doing. I'm not super familiar with what's happening there, so I don't want to blame it on any one entity. But if we were to try to step out and try to help this situation, we, it's, we're better off starting somewhere around there rather than thinking that it's global warming is the culprit and we need to stop that to stop all future forest fires. What we can say instead is if we don't do something about this forest fire, then global warming will probably probably be exacerbated because one of the main sources of CO2 retention or deletion or control, I don't know the word, <laughs> CO2 removal, I guess, the removal of carbon from the carbon dioxide is, is an Amazon forest. So it's okay to say that the two are related. But to say that the global warming is a source and that the cause of the fire would be misinforming. So, yeah, if you hear or see people claiming that, I would gently and politely correct them so that they're not part of the fake news or spreading of misinformation. And, yeah, like I said, I think I've, I've repeated this many times on this podcast, but I think knowledge is power and it's it's pertinent, it's vital, it's paramount that all of us be informed in the best way possible, in the most accurate way possible. And I think that is the starting place of solutions and ways of getting ourselves out of whatever trouble that we may be in.
So yeah, those those are the two topics. It's I've really just had three points today, one or, or three main points. So one in the Sony and Disney disagreement, no one is really at the moral high ground. No one is the protagonist. No one is the antagonist. They're both just companies trying to do whatever is best for their bottom line. So you can't really fault any one company for whatever sadness <laughs> it might cause us movie-going population. Second point, if you are more interested in the pop culture parts of the current events than things like the Amazon forest fire happening, I would try to reorganize your feed a little bit to be alerted to big major international events because yeah, like I said, for all the reasons I explained, the Amazon forest burning is a huge deal. It's not going to happen, but if the whole thing burnt down, I would I would even go as far as saying that that's probably the first step in the demise of the human race. Because 20% of oxygen, that's, that's huge. And the third point is let's always be informed on these situations with the correct information, not just by soundbite things that you see on social media. Because the more well-informed you are, the better it is for everybody. People who are listening to you, people you are talking to. So, yeah, let's try to dig in. We can't get all the information about a single event through one like Insta story or something, wherever you get your news stories from. So take a little bit of time to dig into it and be a little bit more well-informed. It, it'll help you in the long run. And, you know, you don't want to sound like an idiot by spouting off facts that aren't true, right? And this is coming from the guy who's probably spotted off a lot of incorrect things on this podcast. No one's corrected me yet. I don't know if you guys are being polite or if I'm doing a decent job, but yeah, I, I might be spotting off a lot of bad, unreliable information, but I always am willing to and open to being corrected. So I think that's a good mindset to have. So before I close out today's podcast, I wanted to do another segment of local talent highlight. First, I have a friend who recently started a felt plushy business. You guys remember the first, I hope, hospital patients hear this episode. It was with nurse Nicole Amadeo. So she created a Instagram page. It's called People of Victory with the spaces being underscore. So people underscore of underscore victory. And she has displayed all her felt plushies that she created. It's think about it, the way that the, the demographic that she's currently targeting, I believe, are parents with newborns because all the names that she's created with the felt plushie thingy is of babies and they're were used at their first birthdays or whatever early life celebration they have. And they're really cute. They're really well-made. They're really cute. So go check out her page. She also has an Etsy. I When I talked to her about it, she said it's not in full swing yet. That She'll let me know when it is. But I would at least follow her on Instagram to be in the know when she's kicking it off because... Yeah, if, if you can get a hand, if you could get your hands on one of these for one of your next friend's birthday parties or anything like that, it would be a really nice touch. And they're really cute. They're really well made. 
Um, so yeah, be in the know with the people of Victory. Second, Lydia Yoon Music. Follow her on Instagram at Lydia Yoon. That's Y O O N Music. And she has these, she created these stickers. It's called, it's the wording, We're in this together. And she's using it to spread just a message of oneness with, with everybody. The fact that, oh, actually, I don't want to, so she explained it. I'm trying to recall how she explained it. it. It's to remind, she said it would be, it would make her happy if people saw that and they were reminded that they were not just alone. But I'm going to have her on the podcast one day and have her explain it herself. So don't take my word for it. Go follow her on Instagram. She'll probably explain it if she hasn't already on, on the on the Instagram page. So do that. Don't take my word for it. I probably butchered it. But if you can't uh, find it on her Instagram, the next when she is a guest on this podcast, because I already talked to her. She she said and agreed to be on the podcast one day. So when I talk to her, I'll remember to ask her the real heart behind that. The, the stickers but you can purchase those those stickers if you message her on instagram i i bought a bunch already and i'm very excited to slap them on wherever i go uh thirdly this is a momentous occasion for this podcast a uh, very much sought after guest that i've been trying to have on this podcast since the beginning has finally agreed that she'll think about it and that is my wife business owner ceo of soft tea bubble tea she finally said that she is willing to consider being on the podcast to talk about her process of starting her own company how she handmade a wooden cart service cart to sell her bubble tea the process that she goes to to reach out to these festivals and and community markets and signing up for llc all the all the things that and getting permits and all that all the things that anyone considering starting a business would need to know i want to talk to her about and just talk to her about her story and why why she decided to do this thing so i'm really excited for that i'm probably gonna do it sometime closer to september 21st because on september 21st there's this thing called swanee fest happening and swanee fest is an outdoor festival with a ton of vendors and ton of activities that's happening at Swanee Town Center. It's we're in the suburbs of Atlanta North East. So if you're anywhere close, come on by September 21st and September 22nd. Softie will be a vendor there. You can buy the super delicious, super organic and fresh bubble tea. There's everything for a lot of different palettes. So if you have kids, bring them too. That we have drinks for them. If you're a more sophisticated drinker we have fresh matcha and things like that so come out you can meet my wife you can meet me you can meet my sister-in-law who is the marketing genius behind the softy instagram page and yeah you can connect with us we're, we're happy to talk to you guys and that's a lot coming from two hyper introverted people like me and my wife my sister-in-law is not an introvert at all she, she'll, she'll talk to you until the sun goes down so uh yeah we're we're happy to do that and we're excited to do that so come on out if you're not doing anything that day those days and if it'll be even better to 
drink that drink after having heard her my wife's story and the heart behind the company because you know that knowing the story it always adds adds a little bit more to the experience behind the product right so yeah if anything i talked about resonated with you if you hate my podcast if you love my podcast or if you're somewhere in between please let me know i appreciate any and all feedback in fact after my last episode the target episode i got a response from charlotte charlotte m hey charlotte if you're listening charlotte from naples florida she messaged me saying that she went through the same thing at target in her area so if you didn't listen to my midweek episode, basically what's happening is the pricing on the shelf and the pricing at the register is not consistent. So you might end up paying more than you need to if you're not paying attention. So what happened to me was I got a desk that was supposed to be $109, but when I rang it up, it came out as 139 So I had to talk to an associate and they changed the price of me on the register. But if I didn't catch it, I would have just ended up paying $30 extra. So I got confirmation that it's not just Atlanta or my local, the one target that I go to, but it's other multiple targets as well. So if you are a target shopper, please, please, please. In fact, if you're buying anything expensive at target, take a picture of the price on the shelf so that there's no question and uh, you, you can get the correct pricing when you get to the register. So anyways, thank you, Charlotte, for the feedback. And I, I appreciate every and all feedback. So yeah, please, please, please email me if you want to at IHTHT. That's, I hope they hear this abbreviated podcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at I hope they hear this. No spaces, no underscores. You can communicate with me by sending me an email, sending me a message on the post or commenting on the post, sending me a direct message on Instagram, whichever way you feel comfortable. Just don't call me. In fact, that's why I never give out my phone number publicly because I don't like phone conversations. I love communicating via text, any textual, you know, email messaging or anything like that. That's my preferred way of communication. And that is just me being my introverted self. If you didn't listen to my previous, it's from a while back, actually, episode I did on I hope my friends who call instead of text hear this. I make a very convincing argument as to why you're better off emailing or texting me rather than calling me. So if you ever feel the urge to call me, somehow you found my number and you want to call me, please go listen to that episode and destroy your urge and not call me. <laughs> all right. So thank you guys so much for listening today. I, I love you guys all for everybody listening out there. You guys are awesome, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.